Like at some, I think so. here's my bottom line. It, a lot of folks seemingly took away from this press conference that it's going to be receiver at seven. That's not what I heard. Welcome in to the Hot Read Podcast live from Indianapolis at the 2024 NFL Combine. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I am joined, as always, by producer JT, who you can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, we are here at our second consecutive Combine. We're having a good time. How are you? I'm good. You know, as as we've heard before, it's not our first rodeo anymore. We are That's right. It is our here. second is our rodeo. Second rodeo. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's good because everything like the Combine, it's so cookie cutter. Like, I knew exactly where to go. I knew how to do everything. Thousand percent. This time, they didn't mess up my credentials. So, like, I, I got told them clean. too. I don't yeah, know I know why. I left that in the delivery um, instructions to make <laughs> so it as like, hard as possible on you to get yeah, your credentials. But, you know, it's good. We had a good day at the Combine. A lot to get to. So, I think we should just jump right into it. Day one's the easiest for us because it is the day that all of the local folks <laughs> get to talk to their respective GMs and coaches at the podium. We get a lot of thought, a lot of thoughts on them about free agency. And in particular, the draft as we're here looking at 300 some odd prospects that are going to be the top guys in the 2024 NFL draft. We're doing that all of the rest of the week. So we've got five consecutive shows. This is the first of those this week, every single evening around this time, probably four or 5 PM central standard time, depending on uh, the schedule. Make sure you're following us on social media at hot read pod especially on Twitter, to make sure you get the updates on that. If you're with us live today, we need a couple of things from you before we get rolling on what we heard from Rand Carthon and Brian Callahan, and there is so much to cover today. A lot has been made about the wide receiver versus offensive line decision-making in the first and second rounds for the Titans. Some little clues, some nuggets from Rand Carthon and Brian Callahan, some things that we need to decipher. We've got a lot of clips from their respective interviews today that we're going to play for you and give our thoughts on. We'd love to hear your thoughts on what they had to say today. And you can do that by joining us on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. That's Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. You'll find this live stream there. So if you're watching with us live right now on Twitter or on Facebook, leave there, go to YouTube, find this live stream on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. And in the comment section, that's where you can be a part of today's conversation. Like D. Good and Kenneth, some favorites of ours, some regulars of ours. We appreciate you guys being here. D good saying, man, so energetic. It's almost like he did no driving through the combine yesterday. Listen, you're, such it, a, you're a passenger. Princess. I, I am a passenger princess on these little trips of ours. First of all, if it was my car, I would drive. Uh, you could not fit all the stuff we brought in my no. car. Could not. Uh, so JT's car accommodates us and he, he drives for us. And I uh, just do like force him to listen to podcasts and research and we prep on our way here but that makes us better at doing our job here on the show and informing you all yes um so uh, one more thing if you're with us live and then we will dive into all of these clips from today's press conferences and give our thoughts on what the gm and the head coach of the titans had to say if you're watching with us live do us a favor and help us share this show as much as possible you hear this on every show you listen to but it's very helpful to us uh if you could retweet like Subscribe on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube account. We want that subscriber count to rise. So if you're not subscribed already, hit subscribe. It's free. It's very helpful to us. But if you can like and retweet and send this link to whoever you think might be interested right now, we want as many live eyeballs as possible on today's product. Okay, JT, let's dive right in to what we heard from Rand Carthon and Brian Callahan today. Uh, a lot of general themes, wide receiver and offensive line were chief amongst them for obvious reasons. They are the two biggest, most glaring needs. They are the, the two lights on the Titans dashboard that are 
flashing red furiously right now. And they are two positions that are very strong in this year's uh, draft class and two positions the Titans are going to be looking at pretty seriously at that number seven spot. It seems pretty, uh, I, I'd say, I, again, we don't like to say anything as a sure thing in the draft, but I would be very surprised if we skipped to the end of April right now and you told me the Titans did not, if they stuck at seven, did not take a wide receiver or an offensive lineman with maybe the only exception being Brock Bowers, a glorified tight end wide receiver who I, I'm going to lump him in anyways, but it's going to be one of those two positions. And it certainly sounds like the Titans are taking those two positions as their primary needs, not just in the first round, but throughout the draft, as well as in free agency. But we spoke specifically to the draft today, and they had a lot of thoughts on when and where and why to take different prospects that I find interesting. A lot of it hinges on one man on the staff who is not the head coach, is not one of the coordinators, is not the GM. He's a position coach, and his name is Bill Callahan, a.k.a., according to Rand Carthen, big coach. Um, I, I love how whenever we talk to Rand Carthen, he refers to coaches and players by their in-house nicknames, like we're supposed to know who that is. Yeah, uh, we found that. out today his big coach is also Uncle Nick is uh, um, uh, Nick Folk's nickname. We found that yeah. out today as well. Uh, it's just so interesting because he's done this before in the past. I remember when he was talking about Josh Wiley in one of them, he was like, I'm not going to use his nickname because like, he was like, right. I'm going to tell you there's a nickname, but I'm not going to give you the secret of what that is. Which so means like, we now are dying to know what yes. the nickname was. Yeah. Maybe he one has of these a tendency days. to do that. Wait, we, we've not heard that yet. We need to ask. Um, but yes, we've got big coach. We've got uncle Nick now. Um, what, what were the other general themes where we dive into specific clips? I've talked a little bit about, about Will Levis, but not really. It was primarily on how this team is going to get better. Explosiveness, a big theme. They they are actively seeking out explosive playmakers. They are um, very high on Tajay Spears, and it sounds like the Derek situation is pretty much a done deal. We'll dive into that uh, later on. But a lot of it made, a lot of, of the conversation was about Bill Callahan, what he can bring to the table as an offensive line coach, and in particular, how he can make do with less than stellar talent was was never explicitly said, but it was alluded to many, many times at, at both of their press conferences. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Playmakers is when, when any time that you would ask, especially about the draft for, for Rand Carthen or Brian Callahan, what is the main guy that you're looking for? Playmakers, whether that is in the explosiveness, in, in any sort of trait, as it, it, the, it all boils down to being a playmaker and what does this draft class have more than anything is playmakers both in the left tackle position and the tackle position as a whole and the wide receiver position so I think uh, they know what they want and they're going to look throughout this entire draft class and I think I wouldn't be surprised if after the draft in April if we come away and say what are the big key things that to take away from in this draft is that when in college, when you look at the tape, they were making a bunch of plays. And I think that's a big theme of what Rand Carthen and Brian Callahan and the staff are looking for in the draft. Yeah, absolutely. We went through uh, the transcript, went through our clips, and we found the 12 most important sound bites from today's press conferences that we're going to play for you here. We're going to go through them one by one on the show today, a little bit of show and tell. And then we're going to give our thoughts on what we think these things mean what we think is important, what we think isn't. It is very important for us to mention at the top of the show here today that this is the first of many times I'm going to remind you throughout the next couple of weeks. It is now officially lying season, right? It, it's, it really starts in earnest today. And anything and everything you hear from us or from somebody here covering the combine in Indianapolis, 
cannot necessarily be taken as gospel truth. In fact, I would not. I would take everything with a grain of salt. Some of it's going to be the truth, and some of it is a thousand percent going to be not just not exactly the truth, but like a bold faced lie, like the opposite of what actually comes to fruition. Yep. And so it's difficult. We're going to try our best to parse through those things and talk about likelihoods. But again, that's why we don't talk about things in certain terms necessarily, because a lot of the stuff could be a lie. That being said, I think that the general themes that we heard from the Titans today, um, they, well, they can't be a lie because they do, in fact, need offensive linemen. They do need receivers and they do need playmakers. Let's start with this first clip from Rand Carthon at the podium today. Um, excuse me, this was on uh, the sidebar. You'll notice that some of these clips were at the main podium, somewhere at the side, um, after the main podium session where anybody in national media can talk to these coaches, we get the local guys to go off to a side, do a little sidebar with both guys, um, just as a treat for the local guys to ask some questions. And so this first one, I believe, was from that sidebar, asking Rand Carthen about the injury issue. He mentioned at the introductory presser, uh, excuse me, no, the, the press conference announcing the firing of Mike Vrabel, he mentioned how one of the biggest keys for the Titans this offseason is going to be for them to try to get to the bottom of their injury bug situation that they've been dealing with for three plus years now. And Rancard that was asked about what the progress that had been made was on that front. Here's what he had to say along the injury lines. Um, you know, it, it starts with the way, you know, you, you structure the offseason, the way you structure practice, you know, how long you're out there, you know, workloads, reaching maximum speeds, um, you know, and it's still a still an ongoing process and learning that. Uh, like, I, uh, you know, Callie will talk with you guys about we're going to, you know, get into the uh, strength coach. Uh, hiring process uh, when we get back, but it's bringing us tying those to win the training room, the strength coach, as well as the practice schedule, and how we can make that all marry and, uh, and, and present and keep guys on the field. So there's going to be a lot of changes for the Titans um, in every aspect of the way that they operate and the things they do and the people that are in the building. But it sounds like one of them is going to be they're really going to rethink the way that they approach practice, the way that they approach their training, the way that they approach guys getting off days. And it makes me wonder if they're going to take a more sports science analytical um, tack on, on this. I, you know, A lot of folks aren't crazy about analytics in general in football or in sports. I think I think medical analytics are the one often used subset of of analytics that really can't be argued with at all because it's just it's just advanced medical data, right? It's just likelihoods of injuries, likelihoods uh, of of wear and tear, data based on force and and recovery time and age. Like that's all just you're getting that when you go to the doctor like that. You know what I mean? So I think them going as cutting edge as humanly possible with their both medical staff and their strength and conditioning staff and approaching that from a guy by guy basis. Here's the position that, that you are at. Here's what you are doing to the, to the T every day. Here's what your training regimen looks like. Here's what your rest looks like. Here's how your age factors in your risk factors, all of these things. If, if that's the approach. And again, I'm, I don't have any information to indicate yet that that's going to be the case. I'm guessing that's what they're going to be looking at when they are hiring their strength and conditioning coach, putting together that staff. That's a good thing, I think. And it, it may be as simple as they just need to modernize the way they approach health. Yeah, I don't I don't know about you, but I do enjoy playing Moneyball with my with my local doctor. That, that's definitely how I do <laughs> right, it. Right, right. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that's why they're they're taking their time with this one. I, Brian Callahan was also asked hey, the only real spot you have left on on your staff to be filled is the strength and conditioning coach. When right. is that going to happen? And he said, we're still taking our time with that. It's probably going to start next week. And then by the middle of March, uh, they're going to get that squared away. So obviously they're taking their time with this. 
Um, and it's something that I think out of everything that they're bringing into this new staff, it is the one that's probably going to change the most and bring a new fresh perspective that maybe not have as many ties to both Rand Carthen and Brian Callahan, because I think it's a whole different animal. And I think that's something that neither of them, you know, when you bring something in like that, I think that's something you have to take your time with and kind of trust in this new person. And that takes time to do. Sure. All right. I wanted to get that update out of the way. Now let's dive into the seventh overall pick, the wide receiver versus offensive line discussion. A number of the next couple of clips are going to be on that topic. This first one is from Rand Carthon at the seventh or at the podium, rather asked about being at that seventh overall spot, whether or not he likes that spot, whether or not he'd be interested in trading away from that spot. Here's what he had to say. But I'm open. You know, we have to listen um, to any offers that, uh, that may come. You know, our, our long-term goal is to build this football team into a, you know, a consistent uh, winner. And the way you do that is building through the draft. And off of that, you need draft picks to do that. So um, we'll definitely be willing to listen, um, but it has to make sense for us. So he went on, by the way, we didn't include this clip, but on the sidebar, he was asked about whether or not teams had been nosy with him yet about that seventh pick. This is a term he used last year about, you know, him being nosy with other teams about potentially trading and, and those other teams being nosy. Just, you know, you're at you're at uh, you're at the bar here in Indy and it's like, hey, hey, Rand, by the way, like how are we feeling on seven? What do we think the price of seven would be just. I'm not, I'm not interested in this at all, but just if I was, and you know, happens. Like, right. That actually uh, happens. We see it happen. Yes. Yeah. It, it absolutely does happen while we're here. St. Elmo's is the, the it's hot definitely going to happen with Justin Fields this week. I think, uh, I think that's even the plan. This sure. Week yeah. Ryan Poles so just like, posting up, yeah, taking offers, step into my office a hundred percent. And so uh, we asked him if he'd been nosy or had, had folks be nosy with his pick. And, and he said, no, that so far. And again, this could be him just telling a bold faced lie, but if we're taking him at his word, he said that so far folks haven't been nosy at seven. And the reason why I think it's likely to not be a lie is because he went on to say that he's either very good or very bad because it either means that people just genuinely aren't interested or it means that all the nosiness and all the offers are going to come at the last minute and it's just going to be a, a disaster. It's going to be an, an influx of, of offers you have to sift through on, on a, on a, on a crunch. And so um, that indicates that, you know, maybe the, a lot has been made about a lot of these top 10 teams. Oh, this is a great trade down candidate. This, you know, the, the Patriots could trade down. The Chargers could trade down. The Titans could trade down on paper. Yes, they, there are a lot of good trade down candidates, but as we always say, trading in the draft, especially high, it's a two way street, baby. You yep. can't trade down. If somebody's not looking to trade up and trading up is really expensive. Trading down sounds awesome because you get a lot of stuff in return. Trading up is, is risky. It's a good way to get fired. And so uh, it's, it's one of those things where I'm not sure there's going to be a partner oftentimes trade-ups into those top 10 picks, it, it, it's the quarterback position, right? And so a lot of this, I think, is going to hinge on, one, J.J. McCarthy, where he finishes in terms of who, who wants him and where they're willing to jump to get him. And two, whether or not any of these top three or four guys start to slip, right? Does Jaden Daniels fall out of the top three, top four, top five? Does Drake May, for some, you know, the, the league doesn't seem to be as high on him as some in the media are. From what we're hearing, I, I don't know why, like maybe that's just smoke, but it, it sure TV sounds like Kurt Benkert sir, certainly <laughs> does not think Drake may is a very good prospect. He, he's but... a Kroger. He's an off brand uh, Mason, Mason Rudolph, Rudolph, apparently with less arm strength and much less accuracy. Yeah. yeah uh, there's that. Um, but yeah, if, if any of those guys start to slip, th then that value begin. That's where it comes at the last minute. Right. I think that's what he's referring to, you know, situationally, we might have somebody that wants to trade up, but it all depends on how the, the picks above us fall. Yeah. And I think that's the perfect way to say it. I don't think 
right now, if you were looking at this draft landscape, you can really, as the Titans at seven, really control how you want to play the board because there are a couple teams in front of you, mainly the New England Patriots, who, and we're going to have to see how this plays out for the rest of the week, but like, I wouldn't put it past them to not be so enamored with a Jaden Daniels anymore or JJ McCarthy and totally talk themselves into a Marvin Harrison Jr. And then it just at the end there, it just becomes a a wild goose chase to see like who's going to, how it shakes out in the end. Um, So I think they're kind of in a holding pattern right now through this week, kind of seeing, like you said, JJ McCarthy is going to be currently now the top quarterback prospect throwing at the draft since the top three or the combine since the other <laughs> three are not throwing Which or blows. doing Compete. a lot of the drills. Compete, baby. Come on. Where are... No, I, I, I get it, uh, but selfishly it stinks. But if he does end up um, kind of wowing people here at the combine sure. this week, I think that's where you could maybe see a little bit more buzz as to the Titans taking and receiving offers. This next clip introduces an interesting conversation that I want us to spend some time on. Ram was asked about how the value discussion comes into the bigger picture of that seventh overall pick, how the value of needing an offensive lineman versus needing a receiver, how the depth of those position groups in this particular draft play into that decision. He gave a pretty good answer. Here's what he had to say. I think from uh, if you look at it strategically, it's about, you know, the value, right? So if you're sitting there and there's a receiver there, knowing that there's a deep O-line class, it's like, all right, where can we, you know, supplement this this position, you know, later. Um, so it's about playing those two parts off of each other, uh, whether that's in free agency as well um, in, in the draft. So it's about trying to mix and match uh, those two pieces. Are you open for business? And so they, they talked a lot. I mean, both guys mentioned, I believe, at, at numerous times, a deep offensive line class, a deep wide receiver class. I I don't – I think they may have just been saying that because this is kind of just the thing you say. He, here's what I think the reality of the situation is, and you and I were talking about this earlier. I think that the landscape of this draft in particular might lend itself to the Titans doing what is conventionally not considered the wise decision and going receiver over offensive line in the first round. Here's what I mean. Generally speaking, I think the the, the common knowledge is best practice. You got to go O-line, early, especially tackle, right? The tackle position in the first and second round, but really the first round, that's where you find your premium offensive line. Guys, the drop-off in depth of the class is typically just like the top two, three, four, five guys, and then it's the Mariana Trench. You you get really, really developmental really fast. At the receiver position in recent years, generally speaking, these classes have they, they have wrought some really nice players. They brought some really nice talents in the second, third, fourth, fifth round, getting your Puka Nakua's on day three, like AJ Brown. Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, all in the second round. Terry McLaurin in the second round. Like th- these guys are available in those later rounds, and you can find them because these wide receiver classes, just the nature of the position, the way it's being taught, it- it- it's causing these guys to be better, deeper later into the draft. That being said, in this year's draft class, the expectations are are not meeting the reality in the sense that this receiver class is deeper than the O line class just on paper. But relative to what we think is typically the case, the O-line class where usually you get three, four, five guys you think might be first round, second round picks. This year you've got eight, nine, ten guys that really you feel like you can get to day two, take the offensive tackle eight off the board. And in other years, that feels like you're getting the offensive tackle three or four, right? On the receiver side of the ball, I maybe this is an opinionated take. Maybe some folks disagree with this. 
I don't think the receiver class is as deep this year as it has been in the past couple of years. I think there might be a bit more of a drop-off than usual. I think it's better than last year's. You do? I do. Okay. Well, and that's where we just, we did, we, so we agree on the fact that the tackle class is deeper than yes. it typically is. Well, what, what I think where I agree with you there is that I don't think you can see a, a type of like textbook wide receiver run this season, but I could totally right. see you do a tackle run. Like could, could the right, same right. thing happen for the offensive tackles? I mean, we talked about it. Uh, like you get on, four tackles off the board in the first 10 picks on day two where you just, people were yep. just, yep. I think all. that I think that could very well happen where we see kind of that that run on a single position that normally only really happens with like wide receivers. I think we could totally see that with offensive tackle. I wrote about it this morning. Right. Daniel Jeremiah has seven uh tackle prospects in his top 20 currently, and that's not even including guys like Tyler Guyton or Graham Barton, Kingsley Sumatea. Kingsley Sumatea, yep. Jackson Power Johnson, who's a center, of course, but right. he's also in the top 25. Like mm-hmm. there is so much good top talent this season. Um, so yeah, I, I think that if you're looking at it, of course, because you have the ace in the hole, that is Bill Callahan. And we talk about this all the time. And then that was something that was briefly brought up today about, well, how, what, what's the difference between, uh, maybe taking a more developmental process because prospect, because you have Bill Callahan right. or taking the guy who's surefire. And that was, we got kind of an answer, kind of not an answer on that one, but he essentially said, it's awesome to have elite coaching. But at the end of the day, elite coaching is never going to be better than elite players, True, which is true. And, but at the same time, you can at least work with that in the second round. They're taking a tackle or something like that, where, you know, you get a surefire playmaker, like they said in, in Malik Neighbors or Roma Dunze. Right, right. And so what I was trying to get to ultimately in a convoluted way is this. I think the landscape of this draft, where the tackle class is deeper than it typically is, and the receiver class is... Okay, let's we can agree on average. In my opinion, it may be not as deep as as it as it has been in the past, but it's that's going to be in the eye of the beholder, depending on different teams and what they're looking for. Because that tackle class is so deep, they may feel, hey, we've got Bill Callahan in the house. We we've got the thirty eighth overall pick. Man, we we can we can afford to go receiver luxury pick here at the top and and get offensive tackle six, seven, eight off the board at thirty eight overall, and feel like we weren't gypped you know feel like we weren't ripped off and like we made a poor decision um not addressing that tackle need now it's a dangerous game to play and and uh, so much of what we're going to talk about today points back to man bill callahan might be the most important coach on this team like he he's not more important than the head coach but if you told me his impact his direct impact was as consequential as the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator for this team well, I, I can tell you, coordinator. well, I mean, well, I, I would argue it, it is more impactful than the offensive coordinator since he's not calling <laughs> yeah. the plays, but yeah, the defensive, yeah, I see what you're saying. The defensive coordinator, like I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if they're on par in terms of the impact because, because of the way that how, uh, you know, the, the way that a very, very bad offensive line can just ruin everything you're trying to do as the Titans have evidenced the past two years. So I find that fascinating. Let's get to the next clip because we're going to continue this conversation on wide receiver versus offensive line. Rand Carthen said after uh, I believe it was, yes, this was at, at the, the, the sidebar. He was asked about the wide receiver position in, in particular and the history the Titans organization has had with that position, the way that it's largely been kind of just a dumpster fire for 20, 25 years. Here was he, here's what he had to say on trying to fix the receiver issue once and for all. I mean, that, that's, that's a part of it. Like we got a, a young offensive coach who's an offensive minded coach um, who's going to need weapons to bring his offense to life. And so we, we have a responsibility, you know, in finding that. I think we were, 
you know, lucky to get a guy like D-Hop. You know, and we know D-Hop's a little older, but he produced at a high level, had a 1,000-yard season. I think he had six touchdowns, uh, one of his highest yards per carry, um, you know, average uh, probably in in recent years, but probably the highest in his career. Um, but again, we want to make sure that we're still explosive, that we can make plays down the football field, which we feel is going to help our offense and our young quarterback. Where do you see the and so there's that term again. They, they mentioned it a number of times. They were looking for explosive players, explosive playmakers. DeAndre Hopkins, el- elder abuse there for a minute, like uh, ageism with the he's kind of old. Okay, <laughs> pump the brakes. Uh, that's, I mean, it's true, but we don't have to say it out loud. Everybody knows. Um, but yeah, yeah he, he, he is continuing to reference this idea that, man, we got to get wide receivers in the building. We need playmakers now. And all of this was alluding to, okay, they, you know, tackle is a big deal. And everybody thinks tackles the position you address in the first round. And typically that's the, that's the thinking, but things might be different this year. I, I let's get to this, this next clip. Um, because I think it, it tight before we, I, I want to have a discussion about what the Titans might do at seven, um, depending on who is there and why, but let's first play this clip from Brian Callahan, who was asked by, I believe this is your question, right? Asked about, okay, what do you think this Titans team is missing at the wide receiver position? What kind of prospect are you looking for that has a skill set that fills the gap that is currently on the Titans roster. And here's what Brian Callahan had to say. I think there's an element of, of explosiveness of speed explosiveness. That, that we can add that would help us. Um, this is a really fun class of, of players, really from the top part of the class all the way down to the bottom. There's, there's going to be good receivers. I think you'll find that that'll come off the board in the second, third and fourth rounds that I think will be contributors for some teams. So it's a deep class. Um, there's really a lot of variations of, of player. Um, there's guys that are good with the ball in their hands. There's guys that are really fast. Um, there's guys that are big and strong. So there's a good mix of, of talent that fits. And um, when you're building the receiver room, you're trying to collect a little bit of all of those things. And so um, it's a fun class to evaluate. And, and hopefully we can find a couple guys that fit us. And so here's what I have to say, JT, and you can push back on me if you disagree. I'm not trying to be contrarian. I'm really not. I know that the hubbub today is receiver, receiver, receiver at one. And I agree that it seems more likely than before we started today that receiver is going to be a real option for the Titans at one. That being said, I think people are selectively listening a little bit to what they heard. You know, a lot has been made about, oh, Rand Carthen said it's a deep tackle class. You could get a tackle in the second or third round that you feel comfortable with. No one's talking about how right there, Brian Callahan said, hey, there's going to be receivers in this class in the second, third, fourth round that are instant contributors for the teams that they go to. There are some other things that were said in, in a clip that we're about to hear from Brian Callahan about playmakers versus bolstering the offensive line. I want you to pay attention while we play this. He says some things that indicate receivers. My that's my, that's my ish. That's what I want. We need to get receiving playmakers on the team. And yes, he does say those things, but there's some really important qualifiers in here that I think are being largely ignored. Let's listen to what Brian Callahan had to say. A big one. I think, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the NFL is about scoring points and, and having people that can, can score points uh, is important. I would say that that situation and our situation are probably very different, uh, both in the and what the, who those players are uh, and where we are in our, our process. So, um, you know, we were going into year three, and you know, Jamar Chase and Penny Sewell, I think, were kind of unanimously considered to be All Pro caliber players. They've both lived up to that billing, um, and so it's a different set of players, different set of circumstances. But you know, I'll always lean when all things are equal. Uh, Guys that can score touchdowns tend to make more of an impact. What's all the talk about? Okay, so three things in there that I think people are largely ignoring because everybody hears all things equal. I I, I prefer the playmakers of the offensive line. 
you know, when I was with the Bengals, we we did pick Panay or we did pick Jamar over Panay, and we we agree with that decision. We like that decision. Some things in there that I think are being ignored. Number one, he points out how the situation is different, right? They were in year three of a rebuild in Cincinnati when that happened. The Titans are in year one of a rebuild. It's 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 a different portion of the timeline, and so you, you know, there's an element of can you really afford to have your dessert before you've eaten your, your beans and, and vegetables, right? You got to, you need to clean your plate, your dinner plate before you, you get the luxury players on top. That's that's, I'm not saying that's the way it has to be done, but one could argue from that perspective, right? The other things that he said at the end there, all th- he, he, he stopped mid sentence and said, all things being equal. I prefer playmaker over offensive line. We don't know that he considers these things to be equal. That statement to me speaks more to my philosophy is, on an even playing field, I would rather take the wide receiver than the offensive line of the same caliber player. Not necessarily the case for the, the level of need the Titans have those two positions and not necessarily the case. The third point that I was going to make where he says, hey, Panay and Jamar were both that year considered to be all play, all pro ceiling caliber players. The, this, the, the Bengals were picking at what, five that year? Five, yeah, so fifth overall, a little bit higher than the Titans were. That was a very, very strong class at the top. Um, of that draft class and uh, arguably because there were so many good quarterbacks in there that was also right. the Tua and the Justin Herbert yep like yep. Penny Sewell and, and Jamar Chase could have gone two or three if those quarterbacks weren't in that draft right you had Herbert and Tua and Burrow of course all three right or, uh, uh, no um I think Trevor Trevor yes Trevor um is that right no Trevor was Zach Wilson's year was it Burrow I think it was Burrow. It might have been Burrow. I think I'm pretty sure it was Burrow. I think it was then Burrow. Then it was the year after, I think. Okay, yes, it Either was the, yeah, yeah. It was the point being. They took him at 5. Both of those guys were considered can't miss prospects, right? Yep. It's not necessarily a guarantee that you're going to get two can't miss prospects for the Titans at 7. That's where I want to take this conversation. If if their point is all things being equal, we're going to lean the wide receiver over tackle, which I I believe that's what they're saying. I believe that that's what they will do if if it comes down to that. Where's the line? And what I mean by that is if their tackle one and their wide receiver one are both there at seven, it sounds like on paper that in, in this case, you're going to take Marvin over the tackles, right? Duh. Um, but okay. So now it's, you got your tackle one. It's just Joe Alt is their, their favorite tackle and Malik neighbors, there, wide receiver two for them. I think they're going to take neighbors. I think they keep talking about the explosiveness, the playmaker. That's what Malik neighbors is, right? Mm-hmm. That he fits the bill a hundred percent. This is where it becomes, I think, the most realistic and the most interesting. Because I'd say it's less than a coin flip odds. I'm like, neighbors falls to seven. It's not impossible, but I'd say it's less likely than not. And so if you don't have neighbors on the board, you don't have Marvin Harrison Jr. on the board. Okay, so it's wide receiver three. And I don't know what their board looks like. I'm just, I'm, I'm, the, I'm hype, making it a could be, here. it could be any, like any order, right? Any order. But my point is, whoever, whoever, whoever the person, whoever the person is, if they're wide receiver three and tackle one, Still are there options at yep. seven? Are, are they are they still leaning receiver? I, I, what? Okay. And so if your th- receiver three is Rome Odunze, and you're like, okay, Rome. Yep, I, I still take Rome over Alt. Fine. I'm not necessarily I'm not necessarily agreeing with that, but okay. Let's keep taking it long. Okay, Brian Thomas Jr. Or you know, all three of the top receivers are gone, and it's it's Brian Thomas Jr. out of Texas or Joe Alt out of Notre Dame. Surely then you're going tackle right. Like at some, I think so. Here's yeah. my bottom line. A lot of folks seemingly took away from this press conference that it's going to be receiver at seven. That's not what I heard. I heard if our guy is there, it's going to be receiver at seven. And that's a that if is doing a lot of work. Does that make sense? I think so. And 
pushing back not on you, but just the opposite way around. I sure. I got the same thing from you, but it's, if our guy's there, we're taking him. If he's not, we're going to play the board as it falls. And I think that's right. because I think the the alternate reality of that also is very true, that there is a reality um, where as we continue this week, maybe more and more people fall into the Paris Johnson Jr. syndrome of last season that you're just assuming Joe Alt's going to be there and then you can just continue your mock drafts after that. And then he's gone in reality. In reality, he's gone three picks before that yes. and you're uh, up and, a creek. And, yeah. But I think then that becomes that on the, on the reverse side, that also becomes a very interesting conversation to have. If you have both receivers there and you have Olufushanu, okay, how do you then with those two top wide receivers there, what's the, what's the disconnect between Joe Alt and Olufushanu on their board? Right. And I think that can work the, the same way, which then I think they would no brainer at seven. If Malik neighbors and Roma Dunze is there, they're taking one of those two over Olu, I think because yeah. of what we heard today, but it's all about how, how they rank their board and if their guy is there. And as to the point of how they rank their board, I, you know, it, it all depends on what they're looking for. I, I found this interesting that all of the little traitsy mentions they had today of what, what they're looking for in a guy, the explosiveness, the playmaking that all screams neighbors to me on paper. Right. And that that's, that's kind of the, the, the vibe that he gives off. We're, we're, we're assuming Marvin Harrison Jr. is out of the equation here. Yes. Right. So between neighbors and Roma Dunze, that I sounds think, like neighbors I think I to saw, me. I think I saw Ben Solak say today that the only way that Malik or Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to go under a rock, and as long as that rock doesn't hurt him when he's under it, <laughs> right. he's still going to be number right, one. Right, exactly, right, exactly. As long as Patrick Starr doesn't get crushed by his own home, <laughs> he will be all right. Um, so if it's between Malik and Rome, it sounds to me like they are leaning towards a guy like Malik, neighbors, and yet we've not talked to ton. We're going to talk later this week about the differences between these guys, but man, Rome and Malik are very different. Malik, most of his production came from in the slot. I think like 30% of his production came from specifically slot fades, which was Jaden Daniels just mm, bread and butter this year. He was the slot fade King. I won't say slot fade merchant, but maybe. Um, and so a lot of that was big slot stuff from him with Roma Dunze. Most of his production was out true X outside receiver. And so it becomes a question of what are the Titans looking for? Man, we know we know Tim Kelly. His offense utilized DeAndre Hopkins as the wide receiver one in and outside. Very very diverse scheme, but he did play a lot of inside as well as out. Um, he's a guy that in his later years, a lot of people have theorized, hey, this guy may be better served in the slot at times, especially if you have a true boundary X option, a big fellow that can go on the outside and be in, and not just be trailing Burks. And you know, people are like, okay, cool, you got trailing out there, but somebody that you're actually scared of as a defense, right? No, sorry for the trail on slander, but we're going to talk about him in a little bit. We'll talk about him. Um, we'll so if, if they got that guy in Rome, you, you think that's the way it would be. But I, I just, I think it's an interesting clue as to how they see D hop and how they see these receivers. Um, now, maybe it's the case that they would love a big X, a big outside guy. But at the end of the day, they just think Malik is that much more talented than Rome that you like, who cares? Just get the, you know, get the dude on the team. We'll figure out how they fit to the scheme later. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, it's it like you said, it's just preference at that point. It's what does really explosive mean to you? Explosive. Did it mean, sound like Malik to you, or it, am I? Is that just me? I think I think it okay. definitely did. That's what I felt like they kept the talking catch, about, or more explosive in the sense that deep downfield, once they get downfield with that explosiveness and getting off the line, the contested catch, I think, also could be there. I think they did right in there in the way they should do it they gave a very classic shielded answer behind <laughs> explosive what okay right. so what does that pertain i don't 
I mean, well, you know, a guy that explodes. Yeah, <laughs> right. making plays, big play, big playmaker. Right? Yeah, it can either be in yards. What's a what's a playmaker? You know, an explosive guy. Yeah, yeah explosive just a circular guy. argument. He makes big yeah. plays, right? Like uh-huh. that could either be yards after the catch, or that could be in the end zone on third and goal. Like different type of things that they different strokes uh, yep. continue to tell us. And I think either way you look at it, regardless of if it is a tackle or if it is the wide receiver, they're they're going to pick a guy who they believe. Uh, can do more than just the normal player. Right, 100%. Um, let's leave that argument discussion aside for now because I'm I'm sure we're going to get into it multiple times the rest of the week. So let's pace ourselves on that. We did hear about some other things regarding the Titans from both of these guys today. So let's play some more clips for you. Here's a clip from Rand Carthon asked about current, well, a, a technically former Titan star, Derek Henry. Lim- it's Titans player in limbo. Derek right, Henry, right. Most the, the player the most famously known as a Tennessee yeah. Titan, Derek Henry, whether or not he, he you know, he is currently a, a full-blown free agent for the first time in his career, testing the market. It is believed that he's likely not to return. And so he was asked about that today, Rang Carthen was. Here's what he had to say. Oh, well, Derek and I had a good conversation uh, on the way out and he knows where we are and we know where he is. Um, I think you guys that have been around, you know, a year know that we don't really talk about, you know, players' contract status in, in, uh, in public. Um, but we'll be well positioned to do whatever we need to do. Um, you know, however, when those conversations that need to be had, we'll have them with Derek and his team. That just, to me, confirmed what we were already thinking, that I think Zach Lyon, buddy Zach Lyons on a football show or football and other words, one of the two, talked about this the other day. It, it seems to me that Derek doesn't want to be a Titan and the Titans don't want Derek to be a Titan, like nothing personal that just, you know, they're, they're ready to move on. Both of them mutually ready to part ways. The, the Titans are ready to move on and, and change the way that they approach the running back position. Derek ready to go try to get a ring, which he deserves to try to do and play for a team. That's not rebuilding. Cause he doesn't, doesn't have time to be a part of a rebuilding team. And uh, th- that to me in tandem with what we heard from Rand Carthon about Ty J Spears, I pulled the transcript on that one. I didn't get the clip of this, unfortunately. I wanted it, but I missed it. Here's what he had to say on Ty J Spears, which I think is as as ringing an endorsement of your new running back one as you can give. Um, he said that, first of all, Ty J Spears is a dude that I just described. He's very passionate about football. He loves the game. He's a hard worker. And I think you guys have gotten to know him. Um, I think that you guys who have gotten to know him know that's how he's wired. And you love that about him. Ty J, all of those guys, that's always... What typo? Tajay is one of those guys that's always in the building. I know there were a lot of concerns about his knee coming out, and that was the big question this time of year, last year, after we drafted him. But we're talking about a guy that has never missed practice, never missed a game, and he's, for lack of a better way to put it, he's made of the right shit. And those are the type of guys that we want to have in our program. That's that's strong. He's he's made of the right in the transcript. It was changed to stuff. He's made of the right stuff. Um, I think it's a perfect way to s- summarize Tajay Spears and to summarize the way the Titans coaching staff and front office view Tajay Spears. He's the guy moving forward. Yeah, I, I no doubt that I think he is is the number one running back on this team right now. I would push back a little bit, uh, just more philosophically on how they're going to take this team. We also did hear- right. What does running back one mean exactly? Yeah, because we heard Brian Callahan uh, in the sidebar also asked about the similar similar question to Derrick Henry and how much that means. And he kind of uh, was asked about how the, the position has been devalued. And he said, right. well, when you now, when teams now have three different players who both catch the ball, run the ball and pass block effectively, mm-hmm. th- that's so much easier to, to 
pay and play all three of those guys and keep them uh, fresh and healthy versus having one of those can do it all guys who's going to pay or be worth twice as much, right? right. It's a different ph philosophical shift, I think, in their thinking. And so I'm not saying that Taijay is going to be the only back on here outside of the other guys who are still on the roster. I still do think they bring someone in, maybe like a Gus Edwards or something like that. Sure. Uh, to, to one give... for one trade, Gus Edwards for Derek Henry. <laughs> well, I Make think it happen, free, maybe. Yeah, I think they're free no, I agents. know, I know, I know. But it could happen, I guess. But in, functionally, in a, functionally a trade, right? Yes. Right. Um, but I think that Ty J is, is the 1A going forward, but I think there is also going to be another uh, another player in there who gets significant snaps next season. I agree. No, I, I think that's whether, 100 whether it's a free case agent and... or if they use a one of those seventh, sixth or seventh round picks this season right. on a running back. I think one of those is a running. Back. It's a question of volume, and I think that Ty J is going to be the volume guy. Yep. But the volume guy on this team is going to look. That volume is going to look different than it has looked in in recent years. The Titans, because nobody had the volume that Derrick Henry had during his prime. Um, okay, a couple of more clips for you. This one's from Rand Carthon. He was asked about Will Levis and what his evaluation is of him in his first year and what he is looking for uh, from him in his second year going forward. Here's what Rand had to say on his quarterback one. It's like with most uh, young quarterbacks, it's getting playing time, you know, being out there. He spent the earlier part of the season as the inactive third. Um, and then when he got his opportunity uh, to play, he took off and run uh, and ran with it. So uh, for him, it's continuing to get time on task. Um, and especially now coming into a new offense, um, getting him getting him in that, getting him uh, knowledgeable of it. And for Will, it's about creating that consistency. When he was at Kentucky, he had multiple offensive coordinators. I think he may have had the same offense maybe twice, you know, in his career. So I want to be able to create that consistency for him, get him used to making calls and get him to where, you know, he's making all the calls and checks up front. I love that he brings up the fact that Will was the inactive third the majority of his first two, three months, the Titans. And I think that he has the opportunity this season, and this is an obvious thing, but I think folks just aren't thinking about it yet because we haven't gotten there. Man, for him to have all of the off-season activities, all of the outside training potential, and then during training camp, be the guy getting all the reps with the ones, being the one that they're primarily installing the offense for, that's something that is polar opposite from the experience he had last year, the opportunity that he had last year. There's so much room for growth there. And the fact that he was for a large part of training camp forced behind Malik Willis to take the threes and get minimal reps and then splitting with Malik Willis, the twos that I'm not saying it was damaging, but there's a lot of missed opportunity there in hindsight for them to really fast track the development of this player and they're going to get a chance to do that as him being the centerpiece this offseason. I'm really stoked to see whether or not we get to see some dramatic improvement because, you know, we talked about it during the season last year with, with Mike Vrabel. He's your quarterback now. How are you developing him? And, and Mike would just be like, guys, you know, in season, you, you don't have time to develop. Guys. Like the development portion is over. We're, we're working on install. We're working on, on winning games now. And, and so we'll let us getting a full install period of his life, a period of his season. I'm stoked to see what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you there, but just random aside in hindsight as well, it is interesting to also think about last, uh, last preseason having Malik Willis and Will Levis mm. every other uh, drive. Right. Yeah. Right. As, as you Great rhythm. It's, it's conducive Great, yeah. for success. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It, it sets you up for, for really, really nice uh, performance out there. Yep. Um, okay. A couple more clips here. Rand Carthon spoke about what the team's going to look like. This one was pretty telling kind of a, a low key comment, but when you think about it for a second, you're like, Whoa, okay. This is, 
a pretty big indicator as to what the Titans are going to look like um, on defense and on offense. Two very different answers here. Here's what Rand had to say. It's going to be a little bit of a difference. I think there's going to be some carryover on defense uh, just in terms of structure. Uh, but the style will change a little bit. Um, and then I think offensively it'll change, uh, which is where we, you know, you got to give our scouts grace. They've gone from post-draft last year throughout the entire fall of scouting for one scheme. And then now we're asking them to flip, you know, on the drop of a dime and adjust. And so our, our guys have done a really good job. And that's why we felt it was, you know, important for them to be in those meetings uh, to see that. And we're giving them the, you know, the leeway to kind of go back and adjust their grades a little um, to talk about guys that, uh, under the previous uh, regime may not have fit, but they now fit us. So this is pretty valuable confirmation as to what we're, you know, projecting this Titans team to look like on the offensive and the defensive sides of the ball. Ran indicating that on defense, man, there might be some real carryover. You know, Denar Wilson's going to put his own touch on things and things hopefully from a level of play standpoint are much improved. But in terms of the style of play may look a lot like what they had been doing. And I think that's for good reason. The Titans defense the past couple of years, all in all, an average to above average unit and do it trying to do the right thing at times failing to do because of personnel or, or whatever it may be. But in terms of the game plan and the, the style, the approach, the philosophy, the scheme, I'm a thesaurus right now. Uh, that that's, you know, that's the right idea on offense. It's uh, I think, I think people are unanimously happy that, Hey, we're going to be so different. It's going to be crazy. It's going to look really different. It's going to be more spread. Man, we're going to get a lot more shotgun looks. We're going to get some more RPO, get some quick games, some, some quick passing. I know that uh, Brian Callahan went on Pro Football Talk on NBC this morning. I saw him doing the interview, and I saw a tweet from Chris Sims um, talking about what they heard from Brian Callahan, and, and Callahan indicated that they're going to start with a Joe Burrow-esque style offense and, and tailor it to Will Levis from there. And so it may very well look a lot, while we've talked about on this show how they are very different quarterbacks, and it's going to have to be tailored to Will Levis. Um, I think they're going to try to try to see if they can thread that needle of this offense worked. Let's let's tweak it and make it work for this guy and we keep the bones. Yeah, right. I mean, you can always change the quarterback and do things that uh, better suit him. And I think that's the communication that Brian Callahan has talked about since he was hired uh, as the head coach. But I mean, basing an offense off of Joe Burrow is not a bad place to start and then finding out what doesn't work, what does work and kind of molding it into its own thing. It, it's not a bad thing, I think in that context. I do think though, uh, those comments do bring up an interesting point that I'm sure we're going to talk about tomorrow and Thursday and the rest of the week. When do we see the Titans draft a defensive player again, if ever, <laughs> because, uh, they'll because draft one this year somewhere. They will, they have to, they have, they to, have right? to, you, you would think so. unless they go spend $65 million on 14 defenders in free agency. And right. you're like, I don't know where they're going to put more. Like they don't have any room. The locker room is full. Then yeah, they have to, they have to, Right. It, the cornerback position but, is really, really deep in this draft. That's kind of, there's some good linebackers are going to be out there in day three, some developmental guys. So they'll draft somebody. Hopefully. One would think. Yeah. And then, well, but last year they didn't. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Three seventh round picks, start throws, got to have a defensive dart throw in there. Got to. I mean, at least one. Yep. At least one. Um, okay. A couple more clips for you. Let's talk about Bill Callahan. Some, uh, some thoughts on him from the clip where Rand Carthen was talking about big coach Bill Callahan. Uh, how he blew the coaching and uh, excuse me, the, the scouting staff's mind in the meeting they had with him recently. And then some quotes from questions asked of ran on Bill Callahan. But first let's listen to this clip. I named Bill Callahan, uh, AKA big coach, big coach. Um, who's one of the best in the business. And I, I, I really wish you guys could have seen his profile tape 
you know, meeting, it was, it was, it was, it was a clinic, you know, it was a clinic and everyone left out of their minds blown and coming to the realization that we still got a lot to learn, you know, to come in and, and what it's going to take to play for him. But I think for, for a guy like that, who's been such a strong developer, you know, of talent um, at the O-line position, it, it gives us a, a little leeway, you know, to bring some guys in and, and him having a plan on how to develop those guys and get them out on the field. Well, you Okay, first of all, Rand says he really hopes that he could have shown us that development, or the, uh, what did he call it? The, pros- the profile, the profile, profile meeting, the profile tape. If you really, I mean, listen, if you really hope you could show us, we would really be glad to watch it. Like, I know you have the tape. Send you, I'll, we'll send you our, I'll show have, us I'll the, have our guys send we'll, your guys. Yeah, 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 our guys will reach out to your guys. We'd be happy to watch that tape for you, Rand. I, I would love to make that happen for you. Other than that, um, let me, let me read some quotes here um, from, well, pause, pause. I don't want to get to this yet because it's a bummer. I don't want to, I don't want to get to the bummer yet. Okay. Let's let's first talk about what Bill Callahan can be and and how he was referenced throughout this this interview process today. Um, he was talked about a guy who and I I've been wrestling with this in my mind the past couple of weeks ever ever since he's been brought on board. This idea that man he is truly that big of a of an impact and a force multiplier for your offensive line output that you can't afford to not make offensive line your number one with a bullet uh, uh, position of need and the position you address this offseason, I'd struggle with that. Because as much as he is a legendary offensive line coach, one of the best, if not the best, currently do it, doing it, revered by everybody in the league, all of those things are true. It, 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 you, know, you, you have to broach the question of, even when you're the best as a coach at that position, how much can the best impact, right? Really, really can the best to do it be a miracle worker because with what the Titans had last year, it would have required a miracle worker to make it serviceable. Now, hopefully the Titans, I'm not going to say like last year, that they can't get worse because then they did. Uh, hopefully they don't get worse. I, I would be surprised if they did it again. So assuming they get better personnel and they have a much better coach in house, you, you would think no matter how they address it, it's going to be better. How much better is dependent on the guys they bring in because I, they keep talking about Bill Callahan as this, the, the best word I can use for it as a control, like in the experiment of their offensive line, as they are adding different, you're in high school chemistry class and we're adding different chemicals to see what the concoct, what color the concoction turns to try to get the correct result to answer the test. The, the control is Bill Callahan. We know that that variable is not the issue. That's that's, I'm not saying that's the case, the way it's going to be, but that's the way that it seems everyone is expecting it to be. And if that's the case, well, that's really valuable, man, to have that and not have to worry at all about the way they're being coached. But two, to have a guy that you think cannot just be the control variable, but can be the force multiplier and get the most out of certain guys who I'm going to talk about one in just a minute that's going to make some Titans fans mad, that's a good thing to have. And I just, I hope that they are right to be so confident that he can have that big of an impact. I'm not saying I doubt it, but I am, I'm not all in on that. Am I, am I, am I, do I have cold feet for no reason over the idea that he can be a miracle worker in that way? It's hard to say. Like I... If there is anyone who can do it, it's, it's him. him. Yes, but but it's like we can said, it, but can anyone do it? It's the same. I don't know. It's the same thing when they were talking about prospects. Like the prospect has to be elite and either be elite or possess elite upside and traits, which I think is bingo segueing bingo. into something that we also heard today about a certain uh, offensive tackle for the Titans today. And I think you hit the nail on the head there, where you where you're mentioning it, for him to be able to get more out of players than you would expect. It doesn't require, you can't just throw any player at him, right? He's a guy that has a type in that 
profile meeting where he is in detail pointing out to the scouting staff, here is exactly the type of guy I'm looking for. These are the traits I'm looking for. These are the tendencies I'm looking for. Here's the things I want to avoid wholesale. And here's the things that I have some interest in. That, that identification ability that he has, not just to coach up the guys, but to know what he's looking for in guys that he can best coach up, right? To identify the talent. That's going to go a really long way, I'm certain. Because if he's going to be the one cooking, get 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 the get the head chef the ingredients he needs, and it doesn't require the best ingredients necessarily. There, you ever seen those videos on YouTube where it's like a master chef tries to make a gourmet version of like craft mac and cheese out of a box? Yeah. Okay, so it's it's like that. Like he's the gourmet chef. He he can make a gourmet version of a regular food, but it requires his expert knowledge of. Well, I need, you know, I have a $10 budget. It's like, it's like I, a, I need yeah. this specific lentil from the grocery store because it's cheap, but it's actually sneaky good, right? For, for this reason, for that reason. It's like those Bon, bon Appetit videos that's like recreating this dish from taste alone. 100%, actually, yes. Let, like, let, yeah. he, let him go full ratatouille and just like, taste, like, he needs to do all the little things. Let him, let him cook is essentially what we're saying. <laughs> let him cook. Let him be the one to make these decisions. And yep. I think that you might have some success in that way. But you mentioned, and I mentioned, uh, a player that, is still under contract with the Tennessee Titans. They have an out, but yeah, he is currently under contract. Big contract. It's well. well for the player. Yes, it is. Um, there, there was a question asked uh, about if there were going to be any holdovers on the offensive line for the Titans. They get a new leash on life, um, leash lease on life with Bill Callahan joining the coaching staff. And the answer from Rancartham was, "Yeah, well, we have a lot of guys under contract that were here last year that will get the first opportunity to work with Coach Bill Callahan, but just like everyone else." We are going to look to continue to add to that room that will allow us to get the best five on the field. Follow-up question on if Rand Carthen expects Andre Diller to be one of those guys that gets an opportunity to work with Bill Callahan. Rand said, quote, well, again, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Just staying consistent and keeping family business in-house. I think it's documented. Dre, Andre Diller, didn't play as well as he probably could have or would have wanted. But nonetheless, he's still a talented guy that has some physical traits that just that you just can't find. Man, that doesn't sound like a guy that's 100% going to cut Andre Dillard to me. Um, that sounds like a guy who may be getting checked into the Bill Callahan offensive line rehab facility. And, yeah. and it's going to make some fans mad, but that... It also could just be a courteous way of saying, I'm not going to say you're yes out no you're gone you're off the island say, right, you right now, this guy blows we're out of here it could it could be it like, could be i'm not saying two different ways yes to look at it, but I, I well agree. that quote I, let me be super clear that quote took me from zero percent chance andre dillard is back to 10 yeah 10 15 12? yeah somewhere in there like 10 15 chance like it wouldn't shock me if he's yeah. back i'd be surprised i wouldn't be shocked um so yeah that's kind of where i'm at on that and uh i think it'll be really I, the the sick twisted part of my mind is hoping for it just because I think it'd be really funny to see the wailing and gnashing of teeth from Titans fans. Uh, two more clips for you, then we're going to get out of here for today, and then we'll we'll transition from Titans specific to combine specific talk. The rest of the week, we'll talk about a lot of these prospects and well, do a lot quick, of cool I think things. Zach has something interesting to say. Oh, he interesting. Says, okay. he says, it's an episode of Chopped. Bill Callahan is the contestant, and he opened up to find squirrel liver, mm. beef tenderloin, peanut butter, and <laughs> lime lima beans. He's got to make I something think. delicious out of that. Yep. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I think that's perfect. I think that's perfect, Zach. Um, okay, two more clips here. Rand Carthon spoke about Traylon Brooks at the aside today. And he gave two big reasons why he thinks Traylon Burks is set up for a really successful offseason. Here's what he had to say. 
The injury, you know, the injury thing, I mean, the concussion thing was a, was a real deal. You know what I mean? I think we all saw that from the Pittsburgh game. And so those are the type of things you can't really prevent. Um, but I, I, I do know that Traylon is off this uh, this offseason training with D-Hop and some other pros around the league, which I think would be good for him to see how other pros prepare and get ready for the season so he can add that to his game. I've seen a couple of clips of him running routes and doing yeah. stuff for him, you know, um, in the offseason. And for him, it's an offseason where he's not trying to get healthy. You know, he can work on perfecting his craft as opposed to trying to get back. That's And that's two good points that, again, do not – they don't ensure Traylon Burks is going to be an X-factor. He, he's he been talked certainly, about in a lot of ways. Someone in, in the national audience thinks that Traylon Burks can be an X-factor <laughs> like Jamar Chase. Well, yeah, we had somebody ask a question about Traylon Burks comparing him to Jamar Chase. Uh, to, that was a question to Brian Callahan, and Brian – to his credit, did not sugarcoat it. He's like, they're not in the same stratosphere. That's not even, they're not, it's not close. Um, but he's a player that has a ton of upside potential, still has a lot of ability that it's just, it's untapped. He's not put it together. Clearly, I mean, obviously, it's not worked out for him. Injuries have been a big hamper, um, as well as the fact that he's just not gotten into rhythm with any anybody and not developed chem- chemistry with anybody. And um, he's a guy that needs some real work. He needs to, as Rand Carthen said, perfect his craft. However, those two reasons are valid ones. And if if we somehow in year three have the final Traylon Burks breakout game or season or whatever it may be, and suddenly he becomes something that he, that he was thought he may be when he was drafted, it's going to be because of these two things, I think. The fact that he is getting to train with one of the greatest to ever do it, a Hall of Famer, DeAndre Hopkins, and other pros who we did not mention. I'd love to hear that list of names, by the way. Getting to train with those guys learn how they approach the game, approach their bodies, approach their fitness in the offseason. That's a big deal for a guy that has had issues being perfectly fit coming into training camp, um, as well as the fact that this is the big one. He's not having to nurse anything. He's not having to rehab at all, get get healthy in the offseason. He's getting to spend all of his time kind of in a similar way to Will Levis, where he's going to have the offseason to, to perfect his craft. Will, Will and Traylon both in a position where they're going to get to perfect their craft be healthy, God, God willing, and 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 be be the best version of themselves coming into July, coming into August for training camp. And I think that that is a valid reason to. Here's where I think Traylon Burks should, to put him in a category is difficult, but I I don't think he's a bum like many have talked about him to be. I don't think that he's a guy that you can count on like some folks still think that he is. I think he's he's just a gravy guy, right? He he is the cheer. He's the sprinkles on top. You cannot count on him at all. Like on paper, in the plans, you need him to be your wide receiver three or lower. You can't be your two, right? You can't go into next season that way. But could he end up becoming that guy? Um, it's it's possible. It's not likely, but it's it's still within their own possibility. And so, if he becomes that guy, awesome. It's the he, you're you're not giving up on him. You're just not banking on him because everybody's got a friend where it's like, I love this guy. When he shows up to the party, when he shows up to the function, like he says he's going to, when he comes through, it's a good time. But I'm not banking on him being here at all. I'm not making any plans that rely on him being here because there's a chance he never shows and never calls. And that's just the way that this guy rocks. That's Traylon Burks to me. Yeah, and this comment is a little bit joking, but I think also it has a point here in the different uh, the similarities between Jamar Chase and Traylon Burks. They both kind of play football sometimes. They do. They both are football um, players. If they had to, f- like, their LinkedIn profiles, their their header is football player, wide receiver, in the NFL, yeah. that's the but end of the list. I yeah. think the I think the point there is that I think uh, the big win for Traylon Burks is just to have a full, healthy season. 
Like, I think that is, that that is, it's a very low bar, but it's a bar that he has to cross before we can even begin to talk about maybe becoming that wide receiver too, or reaching that potential that he once did in, in, in the NFL draft during that uh, draft class. So right. I think it's really imperative for him to be putting in that kind of work. So that's good to see. Yep. I agree. One more clip and then we're getting out of here. Uh, Brian Callahan asked about the backup quarterback position. What they're looking for in terms of a backup for Will Levis this year. Here's what he had to say. I think you want you want a guy first and foremost that can play um, because if they have to play, you want to be able to, to get out of a, a, a two, three, four game stretch um, and hopefully not an eight or nine game stretch like Jake Browning had to get us out of last year. Um, but you want a guy that can first and foremost play the position. Uh, there's another element of backup quarterbacks that's really important is how they are in the room with the starter, and that matters. Um, that relationship can be very fruitful. Uh, it can also be uh, very damaging uh, if it's not on the same page. And so having a starter with a backup quarterback that's that's there to help, that assists, that sees things through the quarterback set of eyes um, can be very helpful on game day uh, with the starting quarterback. Uh, it's a role that I think is probably undervalued publicly, but you talk to most coaches around the league, that value of that position I think is, is pretty high. So to have a guy that can be in that role that can one play and two help the starter is, is all of that being said, it certainly sounds like Malik Willis is not going to be the backup next year. They're going to bring in somebody, you know, whether that's a veteran or they spend some draft capital or, or whatever whatever it may be. I'd imagine, I think it'd be really dumb to spend draft capital on a quarterback just because you have so much money to spend in free agency. You have the FU kind of money where you can go and get the best available free agent backup quarterback. Like You can go and do that and, and make the... You know, some coaches will tell you that the second most important position on a football team is the backup quarterback. And as Brian says, you need a guy that can play and get you out of a hole if you need three or four or five games a year because of your main quarterback getting injured. Um, and so I think that they're going to go get a veteran of some type, whether that is a Gardner Minshew, Jacoby Brissett level guy. I'm not, I don't, I don't think they're free agents necessarily, but like that level of player where it's a guy that is so good, you, you know, they potentially may get a starting job depending on where they land. Um, or a guy that is like a, you know, uh, you'd think it'd be better than a Logan Woodside. Like you, you'd need somebody better than that. You need somebody. What's an example of a guy that, that, that is like, you know, a, a, a Trey Lance, maybe <laughs> well, uh, I think yeah. Carson Wentz, <laughs> Carson you know Wentz what I mean? could be a good veteran. I think, um, I mean, you could go on the fully, you could go full veteran and go like a case Keenum or something like that. Right. Um, but I think my sleeper dark horse pick, if they don't go with one of those upper echelons that I was talking to you about, uh, is a guy in Brandon Allen, who was with the Bengals in mm. the first two seasons with, uh, Joe Burr. He moved over to San Francisco and was the third string cornerback behind, uh, Sam Darnold and Brock Purdy. Hey, how about a little Joe Flacco? Joe Flacco. Hello. Sure. Hello. I mean, oh, well, no, he's under contract, I believe for, with Cleveland next this, season, I think this but, says he's a free agent. Oh, maybe, he maybe, is. I don't know. I'm not uh, sure, but. Teddy Bridgewater's out there. Tyler Huntley, former pro bowl quarterback, Tyler Huntley. Hey, always getting a pro bowler in there is pretty good. A little Josh Dobbs accent, a little Mitch Trubisky. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, yes. At this point, I think we're, I think it's Sam kind of Darnold, Drew Locke. Okay. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. We're I'm bored at this point. All right. Uh, okay. That was the Titans. That was Bill Callahan, Bill, Brian Callahan and um, Rand Carthen today. Uh, again, a very, this is the, the singular different day at the combine. The next couple of days is going to be very routine. We're going to have guys at the podium in the mornings. We're going to have testing in the afternoons. It's going to be a good time. Looking forward to it. We'll have our shows in the afternoons around four to five. 
p.m. Central Standard Time. We appreciate those of you that were with us live today. Thank you so much. Come back every day for the next four days. It's going to five days. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have a good time talking about every prospect that we talk to here. We've got a lot of things planned. It's not just going to be us yapping the whole time. We've got some pre-made videos in the works, um, talking to some folks in the media who you know and respect get some difference of opinion on some different players. We're going to talk through all of these things and have a very good time, hopefully learning a lot about this draft class along the way. So join us the next five days right here on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. Make sure, make sure you're subscribed while you're on over there. Uh, for producer J. Tim, your host, Easton Freeze, subscribe, like, rate, review, follow on social media at Hot Read Pod. Do all of those things. We'll be back here live from Indianapolis at the 2024 NFL Combine tomorrow. We'll talk to you later.